we've been following Jesus in, in the book of Luke. And when we get to chapter 5, there's a little bit of drama that begins to unfold because he starts to have other teachers and Pharisees and teachers of the law and the, the, the Jewish people trying to check him out. And all they're doing is, is trying to find, is there something wrong with this guy? And, and there's like, they'll find anything that's wrong with him. I, I, I could, pro- and it's easy to do, right? Even, even the best people, there's something wrong with them, right? Okay, and so uh, we so last week uh, we we saw the paralytic. He's let down, and and the teachers of law. He says, "I forgive you," and they're like, "Who is this blasphemer? He must, he, you know." They're already getting their their angst up because they got them all judged and ready to go, ready to tie him up. And and he says, "Well, which is easier? Shall I be gracious or shall I heal him?" And so he heals him, and then the guy he goes, "Get up, take your mat, and go." And then they're like. Hold on a second. <laughs> the guy gets up. He's like, yeah, thank you. I'm on my way. I got no problem. So the, the tension begins to build around who Jesus really is. And again, this is what Luke's, Luke's, the whole reason for writing this is so we would get a big, big, big picture of Jesus. Now we come to the next little thing. And, and, it, and it's funny that the way that, that Luke is writing this is because he's, he's some things are time they're about time in the Gospels, but some these are just like, I, and after that, so we don't know what time it was. And I'm kind of like, so after what? Now, so after the paralytic, we get to this verse, and this is what it says. It says, after these things, Jesus healing the paralytic, and everybody going, Jesus, that's pretty awesome. It says, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. Now, I've preached on this uh, story a number of times in my life uh, and talked about it, but every time, you know, the Bible's alive and living and active, and, and God wants to give us new perspectives each time we read the Bible. Don't miss it. Don't get stuck. Sometimes we do. Our, our, our brain gets stuck on a certain thing, or we hear a sermon, or we, we, we read and, and maybe do a journal on one thing. But as I'm reading this, I didn't... Other stuff stuck out, and this is—I just want to highlight the first one. It says, "After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi." Jesus saw this guy. <laughs> he had never been seen before. He's just the jerk. Now, there was a couple kinds of tax collectors. I'll give you a little bit of background. There were two main kinds of tax collectors. There were, there were tax collectors that were like the, the big guys, like property tax collectors. But this guy was, when you went into a city, he was, he was the tax collector that was kind of, uh, that, that wanted to tax stuff coming in. So let's say you had a basket, uh, a basket of oranges, and, he, and you'd have to get by this guy. And he's like, yeah, what do you got in there? Basket of oranges. How many oranges? He's like, yeah, that's 10 cents each for those. And he'd put it in his pocket, you know. Let's say he had some honey, Doug. <laughs> How much is that worth? A lot, <laughs> you know. And so he was, he was like the local tax guy, not, not the property tax guy. And all tax collectors were, they, they were all the worst of the worst, okay? So... The wor- if you're like the worst guy, you're feeling really bad about yourself, do you want people really looking in on you? You just want them to pay and move on. 
pay and move on. And Jesus probably, because he was used to, you know, used to this town, Capernaum, he'd probably pass this guy quite, quite a lot. And he was thinking, who do I really need on my disciple team? I'm going to pick 12 guys. And all of a sudden he sees Levi and he says, this is the guy I have to have. He sees him for who he really is. Here's a tax collector, the worst person in the world, whose name is Levi. Now, you guys know about the Levites. He was, this is the family. He was named after his family of the priests. Here's a guy totally mismatched in his calling. Here He's supposed to be serving God in some capacity because he's a Levi. And instead, he's doing the worst thing you could possibly do in Israel. You're a tax collector. You are working for the Romans. We hate the Romans. You've got to get out of here. But instead, Jesus says, this is a guy I need on my team. I just love that. It's like, why would Jesus do that? Now, there's another guy, tax collector, in the Bible. His name is Matthew. You're thinking Zacchaeus. I'm thinking, I'm thinking Matthew. Matthew and Levi are the same guy. The guy that wrote the Gospel of Matthew is this guy. And he doesn't get a lot of airtime. But why is he Matthew? Well, Matthew was his Greek name. Levi was. And, and it's funny that these guys do a thing because Matthew was written to the Jews and he calls himself Matthew. I just want you to know I was, I was far from God when God called me. And over here, Luke, who's the Gentile, <laughs> says, here's the, here's the Jewish guy. It's beautiful how the Bible weaves the mismatch of people's lives and says, my grace is now upon you. So what happens to this poor guy? He went out and saw the tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. Now, these guys, this was like when you were a tax collector, it was like a franchise. You'd have, to, you'd have to pay somebody to have this job. So when he left, it wasn't like the fishermen. They kept their boats and stuff. It says they went and they left and followed Jesus. But the tax collector, he left his job. He said, this is it. I'm leaving everything behind. But before I do, I'm going to throw a party. So he left all, rose up. And you're not going to get that job back because somebody else is going to get that franchise in two minutes because that's a sweet job. How do we know it's a sweet job? Because he says, then Levi gave him a great feast at his own house. He had a huge house. Levi had this massive house because he was doing pretty good in the old tax collecting business. <laughs> Aren't you glad? <laughs> and he brings all these people together. He says he gave a great feast in his own house. And there were a number of tax collectors and others who sat down with him. So who did he invite? What happens when you get saved? You invite all your, I mean, you don't have any Christian friends. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have any Christian friends when I got saved. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't know anybody. They were all sinners. <laughs> they, they were, you know, the, the guys I was hanging out with, really bad. Really bad. Really bad. <laughs> and Levi has the same problem. He's like, 
here's all my really bad friends, the hated of the world, that, that you know, we can only party together because anybody else doesn't want to party with us. And somehow or another, the scribes and the Pharisees decide, we're going to crash this party, but we're going to do it from a distance because they knew that if they got close to sinners, in fact, when they walked by tax collectors, it was said that they would take their robes and kind of scrunch them up so that they didn't get, you know, it's like I'm passing the booth, dude, don't touch me. Because if you touch me, I'll be completely uh, you know, messed up. I won't be able to worship for a long time. So the scribes and the Pharisees were also there. And they said, they complained against his disciples. Now, there's only three guys here, right? Peter, James, and John. And, and these guys are just getting in. I mean, they don't, how, they don't know how to be Christians yet. I mean, how, how are you guys doing? <laughs> I know. It's like, Maria, it's like, I've been walking with Jesus now like a whole bunch of years, and I'm still judging people. <laughs> so so you, can, you can actually walk with Jesus a long time and still not get everything. So these guys were really new. They were really new on it, and they, they came in, and, and they're, they're like, they got these Pharisees. Now, the, everybody looked up to the Pharisees, right? They looked up to them, and they say, these guys know religion. I mean, I, I, I can never be like these guys. Have you ever done that, you know, gone somewhere, like to church, and say, I could never be like the pastor? Have you ever said that? Well, <laughs> my pastor. I... Okay, I won't digress, but I was going <laughs> to, last, last week I, I said something, I, I, I said, go beyond your pastor, and I, and I thought this week, that's very insightful, I should write a book, how to get beyond your pastor, how to go further than your pastor's going, that would be very motivational. Um, anyway, so they didn't know how things worked, and so they asked, they, they the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And they're like, dude, I don't know what to say. Which is always perfect. If you don't know what to say, wait for Jesus answered them. You don't know what to say, you should wait for Jesus' answer. Right? It's like, Lord, I don't know what to say. And so Jesus answered him and said, "Ah, Those who are well have no need of a physician. They don't need a doctor. But those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Isn't that beautiful? He's like, all in one fell swoop, he was able to help them see that the gospel is about grace, not about religion. It's not about doing well. We, we have this, and it's a conundrum for those who want to be great disciples of Jesus. You want to be great disciples of Jesus? You want to be better than your pastor? You want to walk further than he has? You want to pass him and go, dude, you're so slacking. No? Well, you should be. Come on now. We should be trying to reach our full potential in, in Christ. That's what disciples do. They, they're going that way. But so we, we have this tension that I do want to follow Jesus with all my heart. But I also want to live by his full grace. And that's hard for us. Because we flip-flop back and forth between being religious 
and being free. And what Jesus wanted for everyone to know there is that sick people are welcome because I'm here to touch their life. And these guys were, I can imagine what they were thinking. Well, we'll find out next week what they were thinking because <laughs> they're like, we got more questions for you. Uh, and you can, read, you can read ahead in your Bibles this week, find out what we're talking about. But so Jesus kind of calms it down and, and puts everybody on the same plane. The only people that can receive the grace of God are those that totally know they're sick, that they're totally sinful. And, when, and, and there's that fine line because as, as, when you come to Jesus, you automatically are, are made a son or a daughter of God complete with all full rights as, as a, a, a prince or a princess, right? You don't have to work yourself up any further. But Jesus brings us up as we walk with him, right? And so we have this beautiful tension of just being free. But, but we want to err on the side of grace always. Sometimes I feel like, oh, man, I should be doing better. Right? How many have ever missed a, a day of Bible reading? <laughs> I know, a day. I know. When my little app goes off and goes, Dude, you missed Sunday. I'm like, but I was reading my Bible. But but you missed Sunday, Sunday's readings. I hate that. I hate you. I, 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 technology, go away. I'm back to words. This one doesn't speak to me and say you missed. In fact, I was convicted a couple weeks ago. Uh, I was talking to the Korean pastor, and I'm always I, I'm always convicted by the Korean church because you know. They got the early morning prayer. You know, it's like, yeah. They, they, they haven't lately, but they, they would be here at like 5 in the morning. You know, I come in at 7. They're just finishing up the two-hour prayer meeting. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we were going to do that. Thanks for... <laughs> I always tell them, are you praying for us? We're praying for us. Well, that's good enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the, the, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to Pastor Stephen, and, and, and I said, yeah, you know, church has been tough lately, you know, after COVID, less, and less people come. And he goes, yeah, yeah, we just have a handful, but, but this is what we're doing. We're, we're all reading five chapters a day together, and we've been doing it for a year. And what they do is they, 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 they're reading their Bible through through you know, five chapters at a time. That's a couple times through the Bible every year. And, and then they text each other. They're on this gigantic text chain. It's like, did my five. Got my five. That's like five vegetables and five fruits or something. You know, it's like, got my five chapters in. I'm like, oh, man, let me check my app. I'm doing, <laughs> I'm only doing three chapters, everybody. But I'm taking them slow. Anyway, all that to say be graced. Live in freedom. What if you only read one verse this year and mastered it? What if you read, do not judge, and you will not be judged? And that's the only verse you read all year, and you mastered it. All of a sudden, you're like, I am the king 
of non-judgment. Wouldn't that be good? Might be better in five chapters a day. I don't know. I haven't tried the other one yet. Okay. So be free. Now, in a few minutes, I'm going to explain the rest of what was happening here. So the questions I had when I came to the text was, first of all, what kind of thing is Jesus looking for in a disciple? Because Jesus was hunting disciples. He's like, here's my 12, here's my, I need need a team of 12. I got three. I need one. I'm going to add one today. And the first thing is he's looking for people with a mismatched calling. They were in the wrong place, but he knew where he was supposed to be. And I was thinking when I, when Jesus found me, I was totally in a mismatched calling. It's like, wow, this is what Jesus does. He calls people who are, are mismatched. They, they, there's something about how, how they're living. They're like, I know there's more for me. And he says, okay, you, I choose you in the midst of it. Of course, he also chooses non-religious people. The hardest people to come to Christ have been connected to some type of religion. You know, it's like, you know, that, that are got into it. I, I won't say, you know, if they were nominally connected. Um, it's because they're good enough. You know, I lived in a family of good enough people. It's like, I'm good enough. It's like, but you're not graced. <laughs> you're not graced enough. You're good enough and you're not graced enough because you need just a little bit more to be like Jesus. Okay. Um, he loves to search for people that are just lost. And one thing he loves to look for is the worst of sinners. Jesus on his team picked his 13th guy. You know why? I was going to make a reference to Seattle Seahawks because 12, the 12th man wasn't enough. So he picked the 13th guy. Sorry if you're a Seattle's fan. The <laughs> okay, don't be mad at me. Please, don't judge me. Okay, here we go. <laughs> His 13th man, 1 Timothy chapter 1, he says, and God chose me, the worst of the worst, the persecutor, the chief of sinners. The people that Jesus loves to choose are those that really understand, man, I am far from God. And really, this whole journey through Luke, Jesus has been explaining to us, you can't get close to God until you realize you're far from God. And that can still happen in our lives. I mean, I feel close to God, but I'm so far from Him. And so I daily say, Lord, I need you desperately, just like I've always needed you. You know, I've come a long way. I'm a nicer guy. I have less hair. No, no, not just that I'm balding, but I, I mean, I, I, had, I had hair when Jesus found me. All right, moving right along. Here we go. So now I'm going to take you back a little bit because Jesus saw Levi. And this is, this is my prescription for us. There are people near us that we have to see because they have this sense I, I know there's more in this life than what I'm experiencing. When I came to Jesus, 
I was ripe for the picking. God had been working on me like for my whole life. I was 23 years old, and I told God there's something really wrong with my life, partially because I was going to go to jail for a long time. <laughs> that's, that's usually an indication. It's like, you're going to jail for a long time. You really need God now. And I told him, I said, well, if you're real, I, I need you to, to find one of those Christian people to talk to me. And the very next day, I've told you my story with Larry Medrick. He, he was a, a, a security guard at, at the tech company I was working at. And he said, hey, there's something, something different about you. And we stopped and began to talk. And I found out he was a Christian. And he led, led me to Christ and, and took me. Now, the thing was, any Christian that would have seen me would have had the same ability to say, come to Jesus. I was ripe. And I believe that we're living in days where people have been so tormented by our society that there's many ripe people out there, but we don't see them. I mean, Levi was probably the guy. It's like, well, that guy, he ain't coming. He's not close to Jesus. And in a second, Jesus said, nope, you're with me. And they probably went, what? How did you... How did you know he was ready to leave everything? It's like, because I can see what God had been doing in his life. Jesus could see a lot. So all that to say is, I want us to pray that we have eyes to see those that are ready to receive Jesus. I mean, there's other people you can talk to, and they're like, they'll tell you they're not ready. But they're still good to talk to. You know why? Because they'll get mad at you. If you talk to somebody about Jesus and they get mad at you, oh man, that's perfect. Because that means they're getting ready. When Before I came to Jesus, when I'd see a street preacher, I'd be going in a concert, you're going to hell! <laughs> right after this concert. Right? Then, and, and I'd, yeah, I'd curse at him or whatever, you know, before Jesus. And uh, because I was getting angry, that was part of my spiritual formation. I was getting readier. So go ahead and tell people about Jesus. You can do it gently. You don't need a bullhorn. But as you share, he's like, you know, I was in church yesterday. I thought that pastor, my pastor, he had the best message on judgment. And, and uh, you should have been there. So like, I hate you, and I hate you're a Christian. And Anyway, moving right along. The people that seem the furthest are actually closer than you think. All right. So Jesus, who's, what's Jesus looking for in a disciple? Mismatched. But he was also open, and he was obviously willing. Okay, second point is, uh, I, I, I had to ask myself, if I were Levi, what does it really mean when Jesus calls me and says, follow me? What does it mean for me? For, math, for Levi, it meant a lot. He's like, okay, if Jesus calls me, I gotta leave my job, I gotta leave my situation, I gotta leave my friends, I gotta try to become a better person. Do uh, you think this went through his mind? He was ready. He's like, I'm going. I'm leaving it all behind. And I think that for us as, as followers of Jesus, we have to be ready to let it all go, whatever all is. I don't know what all is, because Jesus didn't ask him. You know, he said, follow me, 
but he didn't ask him to sell his, hey, don't forget, you got to sell this house after the banquet. You know, we don't know. Maybe he kept this house. I don't know. Maybe he had more parties there. We don't know. Because you know what? If you look up all the references to Matthew, there's only like nine verses, or, you know, except when he's named. It's like, oh, one of the disciples. So we don't know. He's one of the obscure guys. But that's what Jesus does. He calls them. Okay, so he got up. He left everything. And then he threw a party. And Jesus is in the, the, the process of constantly calling us forward. Follow me. Okay. I heard a long time ago that we, we stop growing when we come to the place where we determine that's too, that's too hard or too far. And all of us get there in different parts of our life, don't we? And Jesus comes to our table and says, Hey, follow me. Like, hold on a second here. And it's at different times and different seasons. Aren't you glad that every day doesn't say, okay, do this, do that, do this, do that? But in certain seasons of our life, he's saying, come up. Come up further. I've got more for you. How many believe God has more for you than you're accessing right now? Anybody? You're all there? Listen for him. He's saying, come on, come up, come up forward. And a lot of it is, it, there's something we have to leave behind. I don't know what that is, and it's different for everyone. Ah, for some, it might be you have to take something up, too. Okay, could be a cross. All right, moving right along. Last but not least, I put down here, overcoming religious pressure. <laughs> The disciples, if you follow the rest of their life going forward, they took on a religious air in the midst of a grace world that they'd been given. Did you know they were, you know, one of their biggest problems as they, as they grew was they were judging other people, right? You know, I mean, James and John, they're walking through town. Should we call down fire on these guys? <laughs> Jesus is like, oh, you don't know what you're speaking, man. <laughs> you're out of there as, as, as they're walking. And even after they'd received the Holy Spirit, they, they're like, oh, look, God's he's inviting all these people in, except these Gentiles. Yes, no, they can't come in. And there was a big argument in the church, like for the whole, whole first years, was who's allowed to come into the judgment club? <laughs> And God broke the mold with, with the Gentiles and said, everybody's allowed to come in to the grace club. And so I think that this was one of the first tests for the disciples because they had these religious people saying, you must conform. You guys are you're following this cool Jewish guy, but now you must conform to our way of religion. And Jesus was, no, no, that's not how we're doing it. I'm God. I created everything. We're going to do a new thing, which is where we'll end up next, next time, because he's going to talk about how to do walking with Jesus or walking with God a new way. Okay. But there is pressure to conform, isn't there? 
in the church, you got to be this way, right? Don't forget, you know, I mean, I, I like in some settings, like I raise my hands in worship all the time because I was taught that you got to be free. Everybody, raise them up, guys. Come on now. Don't be free. And then sometimes when you're like this, like maybe I'm not free in worship. I don't know. But if you're in a church where we're all, everybody's doing that and you're not doing it, oh, now you can't be free by putting your hands down. It's like, what, what's the protocol here, guys? You know, sometimes I got to be silent, but I want to be loud. Sometimes you want to be loud, but I want to be silent, right? Jesus wants you free. The bottom line of this story is he's only calling people who are ready to get free with their whole life. And he's not concerned about the religious majority that's like, you can't do it that way. Uh, Okay. Are you ready to be free? Are you ready to stop judging? You know, we're going to enter into another political season. Do you know that? I, I, I heard that our former president was talking yesterday, and I, I know some people are like, that guy is the biggest jerk of all. And there's other people. He's like the savior of the world. <laughs> hmm. How should free people think about such things? Democrats have ruined everything. Right after the Republicans ruined everything. <laughs> How should we think about things like this? Jesus was walking in the midst of the worst government of all time and said, do not judge or you'll be judged. Those rotten whatevers. For in the measure you judge, it will be measured back to you. Hmm. So instead, we're going to do something else as we get agitated. Because there is, actually, there, Leonard put it right. We know right from wrong. Some, you know, I pray that justice will prevail throughout our system. I pray that truth will prevail. I pray that the Holy Spirit will sweep through Congress. They'll all follow, you know, kind of Lonnie Frisbee style. I'll just just fall on their ground and repent and say, God, we are far from you. We have no idea how to run this stupid country. <laughs> We're broke. <laughs> We've got knuckleheads all around us from every party. We need Jesus. So let's not be judgmental. Let's be grace-mental everywhere. And at all times. What? See, now my wife's judging me because I just judge. I know. <laughs> now my wife's judging me. Okay. Now we're in a loop of judgment here. <laughs> Lord, deliver us from the loop of judgment <clears throat> so we can get back to grace. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> we're all knuckleheads in Jesus.
Father, we thank you that you see us as lost, broken, sick people. And those are the people you came to. And Lord, we know that we live in a land and a world full of lost, broken, and sick people. And the hope of the world isn't a different party or a different leader or a different anything. The hope of the world is Jesus Christ, Him crucified, and saving the lost. And so, Lord, this morning we pray, Your kingdom come, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we desire your touch on each and every life in our world, that they would know you, the wonderful Savior that was easy to get up, leave everything, and follow. Lord, give us eyes this week to see those that are ready. Give us words to speak to to those that aren't quite ready. And Lord, give us a heart that loves others as you love us. Lord, may we put aside the judgment and instead just be free in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yay. We'll practice this this week, all right? (laughs) Every time you judge, say, no, I'm praying. Nope, I'm praying. You guys might pray without ceasing this week. (laughs) So that's how it's done. All right. Well, God bless you. Thanks those who join us online. You also don't judge. I don't know who you are, uh, but uh, be free, and uh, we'll hope to see you soon. And uh, the rest of us, we have a beautiful lunch prepared. What is coming out, man? That smells good. Looking forward to it. All right.